This is The Wrap, a weekly show getting you up to date on the latest movie news and all the cool stuff from the past week. Today is Friday, October 4th, 2013, and I'm your host, TJ. Well, last weekend we saw that the number one film at the box office was an animated film, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. On a budget of $78 million, it brought in $34 million over the weekend, and that was its current gross as of Monday for week number one for that film. So obviously it has a long way to go, but that was the top spot at the box office. Uh, number two was Prisoners uh, with a budget of $46 million. Uh, it brought in $10.8 million over the weekend for its second weekend out. It is now up to $44.8 million t- uh, worldwide. So still got a little ways to go to make any money, but for weekend number two, $10.8 million. Uh, and, and you know it wasn't a bad film. I enjoyed the film uh, quite a bit, actually. And we talked about that on the Movie Byte podcast a couple of weeks ago. Make sure you check that out if you're interested. Number three at the box office was Rush on a budget of $38 million. It brought in $10 million over the weekend and $13.1 million foreign, bringing the total up to $23.3 million worldwide, uh, which is uh, interesting. It's definitely a good film. It's one of the better films I've seen in a while. It's too bad it had uh, some things in it that make it hard for me to recommend to anyone, uh, such as the nudity, uh, but I did enjoy the film in terms of its story and its plot uh, and it's general filmmaking. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot on those levels. Uh, so interesting that it only brought in $10 million domestically over the weekend. I thought it would do better than that. Number four at the box office is Baggage Claim, the latest from Paula Patton. It brought in $9 million over the weekend. We don't know what its budget was. Um, it did slightly better than I expected, though. I, I really don't know much about the film other than, the, than that Paula Patton is in it. Uh, so... You know, and and how well it's doing kind of depends on how much they spent on it. If they spent ten million making it, they're probably doing all right. Uh, if they spent thirty million to make it, they're not doing so well. Number five was Don John uh, on a budget of six million. It brought in eight point six million over the weekend, and that is its current gross. Weekend number one that starred uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed, uh, and it's a film that deals with uh, the sticky issues of pornography and things like that. It looked, uh, and it certainly, uh, it was rated R for graphic sexual nudity and the like, so I'm not going to go see it. Um, and it looks to me like they may be exploiting that a little bit, uh, but that was ostensibly to deal with pornography. Uh, number six uh, at the box office, Insidious Chapter 2, on a budget of $5 million, it is now up to $78.6 million worldwide, weekend number three. I think they did all right. Uh, this film has no appeal to me, but if that's your thing, there you go. It's doing well. Number seven, The Family, on a budget of $30 million. Uh, it brought in $3.7 million over the weekend, is now up to $31.7 million. Number eight, Instructions Not Included, now up to $50.2 million worldwide, weekend number five. Um, it did actually drop quite a bit. It seemed to be climbing there for a while, and now it's dropped down to the eighth place. Uh, so interesting. I, I I just don't know where this film came from and, and don't know much about it. Okay, moving on. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gains big in time-shifted viewing, according to TV by the Numbers. Based on Nielsen's live plus three-day TV playback data released this morning, ABC's Tuesday debut of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. saw its adult 18-49 number spike by 1.78 rating points, uh, making it the biggest absolute gainer for any show this season and solidifying its standing as the season's number one new series. And this just confirms what I've been saying for a while. We need to, we need to move away from the Nielsen model of measuring TV ratings based just on 
uh, broadcast night. Uh, we're moving into more of a time-shifted model. More and more people have DVRs. More and more people watch via Hulu, as I do, or other means. Or maybe they get it from iTunes or other other means, legal or not. Uh, I try to get mine all legal, of course, but some people don't. And uh, But we really need to be focusing on this new model of TV. And so... Uh, and it's encouraging to know that they're at least starting to pay attention to those numbers. And it, it's no surprise either that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. particularly would draw a, a type of audience that is more interested in DVR and Hulu than they are in sitting down at the right time in the right place to see the broadcast uh, live. <clears throat> so that's the news for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Pretty good show, and the second episode was even better. Make sure you check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, video that made it, that made the rounds. Uh, four rules to make Star Wars great again. Uh, you know, kind of in a dear J.J. Abrams fashion, uh, listing out four things that that used to make Star Wars great and and what needs to happen to make Star Wars great again. And I agree with everything in this video. I hope J.J. Abrams takes note and uh, watches this because this is some of the things I want to see in the new Star Wars film. Very, very good video. Uh, check it out. Uh, it had really great animation, too, and just some great uh, uh, vocal music, uh, interestingly. Uh, so be sure to check that out. It's really good. It's in the show notes. And speaking of J.J. Abrams, he admitted his lens flare problem and thinks that admitting the problem is the first step to recovery. This is according to Alex Billington over at FirstShowing.net. In an interview conducted just a few weeks ago, uh, Abrams finally manned up to ad- and admitted he has a problem. He's addicted to lens flares. I think admitting you're an addict is the first step towards recovery, he said. J.J. explains it was his wife, of all people, who finally got him to realize just how overboard he went. Uh, I know I get a lot of grief uh, for that, says Abrams, but I'll tell you, there are times when I'm working on a shot, I think, oh, this would be really cool with all the lens flares, but I know it's too much and I apologize, and I'm aware of it now. I was showing my wife an early cut of Star Trek Into Darkness, and there was this one scene where she was literally like, I can't see what's going on. I don't understand what this is. I was like, yeah, I went too nuts on this. This is how stupid it was, J.J. Abrams added. I actually had to use ILM to remove lens flare in a couple of shots, which is, I know, moronic. But I think admitting you're an addict is the first step towards recovery. Yeah, and and <laughs> I famously hated the lens flares. Like, I like lens flares. That's the thing. I like a good lens flare, but you can overuse a technique and, and just completely make it of no effect by using it so much that it uh, it becomes nothing. And just becomes annoying and gets in the way. I did feel like Star Trek Into Darkness was better than Star Trek, but uh, some people think that it was the other way around. Maybe I was expecting the lens flares, and so I felt, and maybe I had overblown them in my mind, and then they weren't as bad as my mind had made them out to be in Star Trek Into Darkness. I don't know. I didn't feel like they were as bad. Uh, but we also have a video uh, linked in the show notes of him apologizing for the lens flares as well. So be sure to check that out. Uh, fun stuff. Uh, you know, admitting you have a weakness, I guess, is uh, an interesting thing. All right. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug featuring Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. And uh, seriously, you should check out the trailer if for nothing else and to hear Benedict Cumberbatch voicing Smaug. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, there's plenty of effects on his voice, but it's still recognizable, and it's great. It's perfect. And, you know, despite the fact that I didn't like very much, uh, well, didn't like is the wrong way to put it. I liked it. I felt like it had some problems. That was The Hobbit. Uh, I still can't help but be excited for this film, just, you know, as a as a geek and a nerd and, and whatever else you want to call me. Uh, so I'm excited for it, and the trailer, you know, made me more excited for it. So even though I, I don't quite get 
this whole thing of um, a love interest for Legolas, who isn't even supposed to be in, in the movie, but Legolas is in the movie, and apparently he has a love interest with uh, Tariel, who is also not even in the book. Uh, and, uh, you know, because we need more characters in this series. Uh, so anyway, uh, aside from all that, I'm still looking forward to the film, and you should check out the trailer, also linked in the show notes. Well, speaking of fantasy films, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Silver Chair, is going to be made into a movie. Uh, this is according to Jermaine Lucier over at Slash Film. A few years back, it seemed like audiences might get a new Chronicles of Narnia movie every few years. 2005 brought The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, which grossed almost $300 million domestic. But when Prince Caspian released in 2008, that box office take was cut nearly in half. It got to a point where if you polled 100 people on the street, I doubt 10 of them would even know The Voyage of the Dawn Treader was released in 2010. It only grossed $100 million domestic. Yet all three films have been much bigger successes overseas, so after a few years of uncertainty, it seems audiences will be heading back to Narnia once again. The C.S. Lewis and Mark Gordon companies have announced they are set to develop and produce The Chronicles of Narnia, The Silver Chair, based on the fourth book in Lewis series. And to this I say that this is kind of a bummer because the the quality of the films is degraded so. The the first film was a decent installment. Uh, I didn't mind the first film. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, the uh, the second film, uh, The Lion... No, no, no. The first one was Lion, the Witch, and War Rub. The second film would have been... uh, Prince Caspian, and that film had some issues, and I didn't like it nearly as much, and I never even saw The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, because the second one was so lackluster, and I've not heard great things about The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, so I really wish they would have just left it alone, but maybe, who knows, they'll go on and make a good film, I don't know. Anyway, I I don't think there are even that many characters left in the series that will be in the silver chair that we've seen up to this point, so... It'll be interesting uh, to see what they do or if they feel like they need to bring any characters back, even though they weren't necessarily that much in the books. So moving on to some more sad news. Legendary author Tom Clancy has passed away at the age of 66. Uh, He penned, of course, such novels as The Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, and The Sum of All Fears. All of those books made it to the big screen Uh, and there's even a, a, uh, a new film, Jack Ryan, uh, um, coming a new Jack Ryan film coming up, and uh, but that film is not really necessarily based on any particular book as much as it's just based on the characters. But the point is, he's created a pretty lasting world uh, in the in in the character of Jack Ryan, and we don't know a lot of details about what happened, but we do know that uh, he died in a hospital in Baltimore, and he was 66 years old. The details aren't really important. Uh, he's going to be missed, uh, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish it hadn't happened. He was still writing books. He, uh, In fact, he has one coming out this December. Uh, it's already finished and was just in the editing process. So uh, I guess this is the way things go, but it's still a sad thing. And 66 does seem a tad young. So uh, condolences to his family, and we will miss him. James McAvoy says, Days of Future Past is the most epic X-Men yet. According to ComingSoon.net, we're just under eight months away from seeing the release of X-Men Days of Future Past, and it's shaping up to be the most ambitious X-Men film ever released. This kind of hyperbole isn't lost on the cast, as James McAvoy himself thinks it's got a lot of potential. There's an army of brilliant actors in that film, he said in an interview with IGN. Brian Singer is back at the helm. Potentially, it's going to be the biggest, most epic X-Men they've ever had. I think it's the second biggest production Fox has ever embarked upon behind Avatar, so they're definitely going for it. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of the underpromise and overdeliver strategy, but I do think that you know, despite the fact that I think they may be overpromising with this, I do think it's going to be a good film, and I'm excited to see Brian Singer back at the helm of the X Men universe. So, looking forward to this a lot. Now, before I sign off, let's see what you might want to see this weekend. New in theaters is Gravity and Runner Runner. Gravity looks like an awesome film, and this is—I haven't seen the critics so united in praise in a long time. Ninety-eight percent uh, approval rating. Um, and, uh, that's on Rotten Tomatoes and it looks like a good film, although I'm, I've been a little concerned about what they're going to do with an hour and a half of floating around in space, but I've, I've heard nothing but praise for this film from anyone who's seen it, any of the critics or anybody. So looking forward to this. I won't get to see it until Monday. Unfortunately, I'm going to be traveling this weekend, but I will see it and we'll be talking about it on the movie Byte podcast. Runner Runner is one that I don't think I'm interested in. It stars Justin Timberlake. Uh, JT is in pretty middle of the road as far as I'm concerned in the roles that I've seen him in. On the other hand, it does have Gemma Arterton and uh, Ben Affleck, both of which actors I like, even though Ben Affleck doesn't always get a great rap. And even though I don't like the fact that he's been cast as Batman, at the same time, I do like the films that he has been in. Uh, but I'm not really planning on seeing this film at the moment. Maybe somebody will change my mind. Still in theaters, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, Prisoners, Rush, Baggage Claim, Don John, The Family, We're the Millers, and Lee Daniels, The Butler. For more on how I feel about those films, whether or not I think you might want to see them, be sure to check out my article, which I've linked up for you in the show notes. Well, that's it for this edition of The Wrap. If you would like to view the show notes online, you can visit moviebyte.com slash the wrap slash 50. If you'd like to keep up with all the latest news, I recommend you follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash moviebyte and follow moviebyte there, and you'll keep up with everything that we post. Or you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviebyte. And of course, visit the MovieBite website daily for the latest in movie news, trailers, and podcasts. So I've got thanks for joining me. I hope you have a super weekend. <laughs> <laughs>